0: Squeak, 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 squeak. So in our slightly strange um, openings to our recent podcast, we're now obviously moving on to Cat and Mouse. I'm
1: getting slightly hysterical in the process. Um, so
0: Teddy's poem that you probably wouldn't pick, and actually the reason we thought we'd record probably a slightly shorter podcast today, because it is quite a short poem, is this is not a poem I would naturally choose. And you always have a choice of two in the exam. Always. Um, if it's, you know, if it's this or horses, I'm obviously choosing horses. Yeah. But I thought we'd talk you through how you can structure just to prove it is possible. Yeah, that absolutely. If, if you ended up in that, um, it doesn't mean you have to do it. It doesn't mean you should be a smart ass trying to show that, no. like, desperate to prove your worth by doing it is the tricky uh, one.
1: Honestly, we feel it is unlikely, but you never know what's yeah. going to happen. So this is a, a just in case. Yeah.
0: And we'll just, we're really just showing you more than anything just how, how you could structure something where it is very, very short. So my thesis is very simple. So the question we're going for is how does Hughes strikingly portray the mouse in this poem? So um, Cat and Mouse is a poem depicting the natural world as harsh and threatening, defined by a Darwinian order in which the field mouse is cowed by forces beyond its control or understanding. The mouse can therefore be seen to represent the power that fear holds over the human imagination too. So quite a simple thesis for what is actually quite a simple poem, the mouse is us isn't it we're the mouse crouches there in fear yeah. and so do we in, in ted Hughes' pessimistic imagination in,
1: in in the sort of natural world as well if you think about it this is the the other side if you think about hawk roosting with a hawk at the top of the tree with the um, world's facing up for its inspection the, the field mouse is the other side of that the field mouse is the thing that's waiting in the in the you know ground below that might be eaten any minute by a predator
0: yeah so i thought we um so the tricky thing about a poem like this is knowing what to write about in Which paragraph? Because I could probably analyze everything in one paragraph. So I thought I'd split it into three, looking at the fear of the mouse, then the landscape that threatens the mouse, and then thinking about as an allegory, you know, a story with a hidden message about human fear. So kind of that kind of three part structure is is how we're gonna kind of do it today. So um from the beginning of the poem, Hughes emphasizes the fear of the mouse. So I think we can maybe start by looking at this the mouse crouched, staring out at the chance it dared not take. It's quite an evocative opening image, isn't it? Yes
1: it is it you you can see the, the stillness of the mouse um in this empty slightly hostile environment yeah.
0: and the assonance of mouse crouched there's a sense of of smallness isn't there yeah. the, the the verb there being linked you know almost compressed into the 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 animal itself yeah. the mouse crouched
1: and and you've got the the um parallel of staring and dared with a slightly longer vowel sound there as well which creates that sense of yeah. kind of stillness
0: the thing that's out that's beyond staring dared. Um, the, the, these these longer words of the, the 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 landscape that's beyond its view. We've also got the the, the harsher plosives in dared not take those the the, the, the d, t, k, These harsher sounds that 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 kind of mirror the way in which fear has paralysed the mouse, hasn't yes. it? Yes,
1: and it is. It's not a it's not a sort of a stillness of calm or quiet is it? it's the stillness it's very different
0: of, from the stillness of the horses very
1: different so it's a stillness that's born of a kind of paralysis or a fear and is it safer to stay still or is it safer to move and it's a decision that the mouse can't make in this moment
0: and I think it's interesting that of course the threat is not named at this point in the poem the title cat and mouse makes us think of course of <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> Tom and Jerry or something but but crucially I think it is important here the, fear, the thing that's feared is not seen the thing that's feared is imagined um, and the thing that's feared is stopped it take a chance so clearly from the start of this poem it is about a mouse it is about a literal mouse but there's the suggestion isn't there that the mouse too might be representing more than itself
1: yeah absolutely. a mouse that,
0: that's losing a chance because of this paralyzing fear
1: and the title itself as well I mean it's, it's a phrase that we use metaphorically you now don't mean so it's you know it's a bit cat and mouse to uh, you know a situation where you know somebody is being chased or, or terrorized by something else um so i I
0: think i think the kind of poem itself subverts the association set up by the title is a point you could make the 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 mouse is is a phrase that's so ubiquitous and so now associated with cartoon images it's a cliche really but but what what hughes shows us instead is the very real visceral fear of a mouse crouching in in an exposed place waiting to be attacked isn't it that dared not take its chance So I I think there's something Darwinian about this world that Hughes is evoking something that's very much you know nature red in tooth and claw isn't it it's kind of there's there's, there's something kind of quite quite troubling quite disturbing about it I think that could maybe lead us to our next section which is looking at how Hughes describes the landscape this threatening place it's a you know the sheep cropped summit that is both at the top of its world, um, but it's exposed, isn't it? There's some it's yes. a place where you can be seen from miles around. The sheep cropped grass, it's, it is, it is, there's no cover for the mouse to hide in.
1: It's totally exposed. And, and the heat in this poem, um, it, it feels as though the heat is kind of linked in sun. to the um, mouse's paralysis and inability to move. It's not a positive thing it, yeah, it is, was image of the hot sun it's is, is a heavy heat yeah, is well it? it's
0: picked that's picked up in the second stanza isn't it where yeah. the, the hot sun of the opening line is described to have hummed its heat heavy stupor of life that this, again, it's this synesthesia, isn't it, of the a heat that hums.
1: Yes. It, it, a, and a heat that has, that has heft and density and is oppressive in the some way. It's a
0: weight that's. The heat yeah. here is both the literal summer heat of the. that's the, 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 the burning down on the, on, the, on the tiny body of the field mouse, but it's also this oppressive metaphysical force of fear yeah. that's crushing it.
1: stopping the mouse from moving. And I think also, you know, if you say it out loud, not only have you got the dash um, before hummed, but the uh, alliteration of H. You have to slow down when you're saying it. It's heat heavy, so you have to slow right down. And it almost, um, it kind of gives that sense of, you know, on a really hot day, we've got that kind of heat haze. the sounds almost um, create that feeling of the shivering heat haze, which also I think you could say, you know, if you've seen... Little creatures like mice, when they're frightened, you can see their heartbeat under their fur. Yeah, there's, a so a, there's a sense of trembling. There's a sense of vibrating. I know it doesn't say directly that the mouse is trembling, but it feels to me that, that, that the well, description almost, of the heat almost um, reflects that as well. Well, you
0: could call that a transferred epithet. Yeah. The idea of something that um, the landscape embodying qualities of the mouse here as a transferred epithet, the, um, the, the, the hummed of it. But yet it's also hummed is also a word that evokes the, the sound of bees, the sounds of the natural world. So Hughes takes some things that are quite ubiquitous in our language, the cat and mouse, the, the humming, bucolic, um, that's countryside life. Of of the British British landscape and makes it instead into something that's that's terrifying. It's like there's a a wonderful film called Blue Velvet, uh, a Lynch film, and the opening is this like wonderful like um, picket you know white picket fence street. My
1: mum's favorite. And then it just
0: the camera zooms in and in and (laughs) in and in in until you see these like bugs eating each other in the grass, and you're like beyond you know beneath this kind of facade of beauty, there's something quite sinister.
1: Well, and there is because it's interesting, isn't it? That you know, in one sense the focus is the mouse, but actually. The whole of the second stanza doesn't directly reference the mouse at all, does it? It's a description of... uh, the the surrounding countryside, the woods, villages, and farms, which again is almost kind of like a cliche isn't a, it, of a country.
0: But it's also not just a, a it's not just a um a spatial setting that's described. It's a temporal setting, yeah. one of time, um, because the the short lifespan of the field mouse is juxtaposed with the kind of geological time of a world that's too old to alter. The sense of there being laws of nature, Darwinian laws that that are far older than the mouse that will control its life. That it has no time or possibility of altering you know cats eat mice and they always have done
1: and also the farms and if we think about the threats to the mouse's life um you know come harvest time the field mice have to run for their lives because farmers have historically either burnt their stubble or you know dug them up so it's a it's a hostile landscape
0: i think i think the form of the poem is interesting here as well the way in which although it's really kind of one stanza Hughes used this, this lineation where he breaks up yeah. lines I'm into
1: visually, two. I mean, visually, it three. looks like three stanzas. There's it is attention. three stanzas,
0: isn't it? And and the blank space kind of functions as a 0 doesn't it? Um, separating the crouching mouse from yeah. the time that's too old, old to alter.
1: I think, again, it's that kind of sense of indecision and hesitancy as well. It's almost like, you know, is the poem one stanza or is it three stanzas? It almost can't quite make its mind up in the same way that the mouse can't quite... Dare to move, yeah,
0: and time dilates in the poem, doesn't it, because the whole poem takes place in this moment before we presume the field mouse does rush across the landscape yeah. because that 's what mice do, so almost what the the poem does is it takes this micro moment this this millisecond this this moment of hesitation and dilates it, explores it, and and, and transforms it into into a metaphor for, for for the things that we all experience on every day, the way in which fear and the and, and our fears of a of a world that's bigger and older, um and scarier than us can shape our our, our, our world view. I mean let's look at the landscape a bit more. Um the the five mile prospect, you know that juxtaposition of the tiny mouse yeah. and the the expanse of the landscape. Um Woods, villages, farms. I and mean, what do you make of that as well? The, the Everything that's around?
1: Well, I think the, the everything that's around is, um, I mean, in one sense, if we're back to the kind of cliche thing, in one sense, it is almost like, you know, the, the human perspective on this would probably be here we are in a lovely, a beautiful lovely summer's day in August in the countryside surrounded by woods and villages and farms and it's unspoilt and there's this lovely kind of heat haze. But Hughes has given us you know, he starts off by giving us this perspective of this um, paralysed mouse. So we're forced to see that in a slightly different way, aren't we, the landscape? So as you say, the five-mile prospect, which from a human perspective um, would probably be this kind of beautiful vista of you know trees and an attractive farmhouse so the mouse is this impossible wilderness yeah. that it has to cross to safety he, which a it can't do.
0: The way you could write that is that he kind of defamiliarizes this eucolic yes. landscape. He takes something that is familiar and even beautiful, something that we idealise, something we put on postcards yes. and being Ted Hughes, being a pessimist, he, <laughs> he makes it terrifying um, and I think that's quite an interesting interesting thing, thing to do isn't it? Um, Stupor of life is interesting as well. Yes
1: it is and I think the, the enjambment there as well that draws your eye to stupor and And capitalizes it as well
0: heavy stupor of life i
1: mean again there are with stupor i mean you have that thing don't you on a hot day where your kind of body relaxes and you almost stop thinking but actually here i think again if we think of it in relationship to what's happening to their mouse it's part of the mouse's paralysis isn't it the heat is part of what's stopping it maybe it's kind of slightly dulled it's kind yeah. of natural senses and it can't quite move we
0: talked in our last podcast about choosing those words that you really zoom in on and i think in this poem it's every word because it's a short <laughs> yes, one yes, but, but short Stupa one. is definitely one to look at because it's the idea it suggests kind of the lazy indolence of what, how i might sit on the summit of a hill and yet it's recontextualized in this in this poem that suddenly this humming heat heavy landscape evokes stupor as missimenaka yeah. said not from laziness and comfort but from this trembling fear Perhaps that leads us to our final paragraph, which is about how the poem is actually not simply about a mouse. That in depicting a mouse, Hughes is also engaging with human fears and the power, the ways in which um, uh, fear can shape our lives. And I think we see that in the transition, don't we? Again, done via his lineation, via uh, a blank space which functions as a caesura. Um, Whether to two feet or four, how are prayers contracted? contracted is really interesting because it's got this double meaning contracted both meaning becomes smaller becomes less big than they were but also the idea of a contract drawn up we the prayers that we make when we're um it's certainly people who are often brought up religious but even when they lose their religion there's often a tendency in a moment of crisis to almost want to fall back upon that faith that they had as a child there's a sense isn't there that
1: well it's an easy thing isn't it to just Revert to prayer prayers I mean,
0: contract via, yeah, and, and it sets up prayer. It sets up the act of worship, the act of connection with a being bigger than ourselves, a divine being, as something born of fear. Religion as coming from fear, con- contracted out of fear, but also our prayers, our, our view of the world, being contracted, becoming smaller in the face of fear.
1: I think it's also interesting in the light of what you were saying earlier about the the second stanza, if we, if we call it a stanza, which is you know time is dilating and we have. Um, a slightly more expansive moment don't you where we have the five mile prospect and the description of all the things and now we're kind of a it's becoming more abstract and b it's contracting and focusing on something more significant And we talked about um we were talking about this before the podcast how you know how important it is to look at the end of a poem obviously if you've got one of shorts, <laughs> you're looking at everything anyway but actually often what Hughes does and a lot of poets do is they start with something concrete we have a mouse sitting in the landscape and that is then used to explore something more complex. So the, the end of the poem fear. becomes more abstract. So it's kind of looking at how that um, works here. So we can
0: talk well. about this final stanza then as a shift or, or a volta, this kind of moment when the poem, yeah. when, when, when the poem changes.
1: It's also unifying, isn't it? It's, it's putting in the same bracket the, the mouse and, it's the and, and villages, human being.
0: Because, of course, crucially, the landscape the mouse looks out at is a human landscape yeah. filled with villages and farms, filled yeah. with us, peopled. And we see suddenly that the mouse, rather than being distinct, part of a... It reminds us, doesn't it, that the Darwinian social... The, the, the Darwinian order of the world, um, you know, um, dog eats, cat eats, mouse eats... Whatever mice eat I don't know. Wheat. Wheat. Yes, <laughs> A biology teacher um uh, but it, it create it, re, it reminds us that we are part of that food web that we are part yeah. of that, that we might feel like as human beings we are somehow separate from the animal world we have risen above it we've transcended it but this poem reminds us that actually we are we're no different from that mouse and
1: in in a poem as short as this it is interesting isn't it in the final stanza um weather is repeated twice we've got weather to two feet or four, weather in god's eyes so that, that sense of kind of conditionality Hughes is sort of posing a question here he's saying well you know what do we think what difference does it make if you're a human, yeah. if you're a mouse? And what where, does it make happening? as to
0: whether the thing that you fear, the thing that controls your life, the thing that governs your decisions, is some divine being like a god
1: yeah. or, or a cat? An eye is repeated twice, isn't it? I, I think that, that final line, line is quite line.
0: pessimistic. I mean, classic Hughes, isn't it? That God here is clearly not a figure of comfort or of joy. This is not the God, the Christ of the New well, Testament. We're, we're all is,
1: in the end, aren't we? Um, this is... Uh, in a We're situation in God's this where is we a, can't control what there's, happens. There's
0: something of of, of 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 like God as this panoptic, this vicar with this panoptic view, this view of the whole world gazing at us in a predatory yeah. way, the way a cat might gaze yeah. at a mouse, and the sense therefore that it's it's it's. What Hughes is showing us is this, in the diacope there, that repetition of I and I, there's this sense, isn't there, that, that our dreams, kind of metonymically represented by prayers here, like the, like the mouse's fears of the cat... Well,
1: ultimately, we're all... ...governed by God, governed by ultimately fear. Ultimately, all in a world of some fear, aren't we? Um, whatever the figure of our fear comes from. I wonder what you thought about um, the line before, though, the, that we were just talking about. Why do you think he has a... Um, why does you he end up with an exclamation mark... Because that seems a bit odd to me yeah. in this poem. He's not, he's not a big one for exclamation marks anyway, is he, Hughes?
0: Well, it's, it's almost a moment and of apostrophe, isn't it? Or an exclamation yeah. where, where you leave the... Where suddenly... Because um, apostrophe is, is not simply the punctuation mark. It's also the moment when you, when you shift from the moment you're talking to to address an unnamed... Yeah, so you're talking love, to God. something else. And there is something of apostrophe here to me, isn't there? Whether it's a two-feet or 4 yeah. how a prayer's contracted. Yeah, it, There's something dramatic. Something, I think there is.
1: I think, some, so he's asking a question, isn't he? He's yeah. saying, well, you know, whether you're a human, whether you're a creature you know what and difference does it make
0: and it really underlines that point that we made about how this is a poem crucially engaged with like how we're no different from the mouse, and our and for all of our lofty aims and our kind of you know uh, and our intelligence we too are the wor- our world contracts so that word yeah. contract is perhaps the most important word in the poem yes. isn't that, the, that it's all about contraction, that <laughs> our world is small and we are small. I and
1: think also from a more human point of view, all of us have been in a situation for whatever reason, whether it's a moment of kind of physical fear or more kind of existential fear. Well, we have felt that sense of paralysis. What do I do now? Where do I go? Do I, you know, whatever it is.
0: Um, one of the main reasons I didn't follow in my mother's footsteps and become a doctor. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Frightening.
0: I'm the little field mouse quivering on a hilltop. <laughs> Did you
1: want to, though? No. <laughs> no.
0: There you go. Well, I think, hopefully what we've reassured you there is, like, obviously in a the conclusion then, what you'd want to think about is, is what's quite disturbing about this poem, what's memorable, because actually the conclusion can be that moment. Often people struggle with them, they just repeat what they've already said. Yes. But here, particularly in a poem of this length, where you've already said what you want to say, yeah. what you what I'd focus on here is, like, how does this poem make you feel? How yeah. does it make you reevaluate, defamiliarize defamiliarise this world that we see every you, day? And
1: you have to, on this one because, because it's true to say that with some of the other poems, Something like horses or jaguars. There's so much to say. There's so much to say that if you did do a kind of bread and butter essay that was mostly just analysis, um, you could probably still get a really strong mark. In a poem like this, that's just not possible because even if you analyse every single word, if you don't explore and you don't sense, have a thesis, you don't have it a proper thesis. It's not. I mean, I still would say, which I think you said at the beginning, that. I probably wouldn't choose to write about this in an no, exam. Me neither. I think, A, it's unlikely to come up, although obviously I'm not writing the exam questions, so I can't say, and B, if it came up and there was something else more obvious, I would always go for the something so, else.
0: So perhaps my final point then is to think about what you can learn from this, because the fact... what yeah. I really hope that we've what you've taken today is just this idea of structuring is often what people struggle to do is they often there's so much things out there on the internet and your notes you have loads yeah. of stuff on a poem yeah. and what we're trying to show you today is that even on the shortest of poems you can still shape it into an argument yeah. into a few different sections that will help you marshal your thoughts and build towards a really clear conclusion and,
1: and as we've done with this one and with horses as well to kind of hold in your mind to find a space whether in the thesis or the conclusion to do a little bit more exploration as well well thank you very much yes.